Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News show. As this pressure cooker of a Ligue 1 season looks set to reach boiling point, it's a second incident of overheating in a week for Paris Saint-Germain, who appear to have lost their heads twice in the space of five days, as their match against Rennes ends in a fiery climax that sees them fall further behind in the title race. Meanwhile, Lille boss the Derby du Nord and overcome their toughest remaining challenge to go clear with two games to go. Elsewhere, it's Sekeda all over again as Neymar signs a new deal at PSG while we bid farewell to another league on stalwart as Florian Tovan looks set to swap the velodrome for the volcano after agreeing to join Mexican side Tigres this summer. On today's show, we'll be discussing PSG's clash with resurgent Ren, Lille's derby duel with Lens, a thriller between Strasbourg and Montpellier, as well as previewing this week's Coupe de France action and a little bit more. I'm your host, Jake Smales, and as usual, I'm joined by Eric Devin. Eric and I will be doing things a little differently this week. We'll be going at it as a duo. So I will be the Yazici to his Yilmaz, the Laborde to his Delort, if you like. Um, Eric, as always, great to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks, Jake. Yeah, uh, you know, for a weekend of on-the-beach football, uh, there's a lot of really... Uh, fun and entertaining matches. Uh, you know, that great goal from, sorry, with that great goal from Yilmaz on Friday. Um, a really fun game between Strasbourg and Montpellier. And then, of course, uh, perhaps the death knell for PSG's title hopes on Sunday. So, uh, yeah, a really ex- exciting weekend of football. And, you know, not sometimes lacking in quality, but definitely more than entertaining this weekend. Yeah, certainly is. With so much to play for in, in all areas of Ligue 1, I guess. Um, at the usual point where, as you say, the on-the-beach football would be underway. It's great to have so much excitement in all areas. Um, let's get stuck into that then, shall we? And we'll start with a Sunday night's match. Paris Saint-Germain faced Rennes in a must-win game. Uh, victory would see them return to within a point of Lille, uh, keeping up the pressure, while anything less than that would surely see their title chances markedly deteriorate just days after bowing out of the Champions League semi-finals. Rennes, meanwhile, had enjoyed a resurgence under former Lyon coach Bruno Genesio and um, are mounting a challenge to finish in the European places. Both sides traded chances in the first half and a dominant PSG was stopped by smart saves from Gomis in the Rennes goal on a couple of occasions. On a stroke of half-time, pressure paid off with Le Parisien winning a controversial penalty. Up stepped Neymar, who put the visitors in front. In the second half, Rennes came out with greater attacking intent and intensity, with Kaylor Navas forced into action on several occasions. But on 70 minutes, Seru Girassi headed in a deserved equaliser for the home side, leaving PSG in perilous waters. Rennes kept coming, and late on, a rash challenge from Presnel Kimpembe saw the Paris man given his marching orders. Yet another example of ill-discipline from Les Parisiens. Ren looked for a winner, but was shut down by some typical Kalor Navas brilliance. And the match ended one all. Vital points dropped for PSG in a title race that leaves them three points adrift and Ren still in the hunt for fifth place. Eric, a, a massive blow to PSG's title chances with just two games left now. And another tempestuous finish with the Kimpembe red card. Give us your thoughts on, on this game. Yeah, you know, it's it's really, I think, amazing. It's, first of all, you know, two things come to mind. One, credit to uh, Bruno Genesio for what he's getting out of this red side. Uh, I think that 
we had sort of seen them you know, slip to a pretty low ebb for Julian Stefan's dismissal. And now we, you know, we look at their form. I mean, yes, they lost <clears throat> to Bordeaux last weekend, but other than that, they've been on a great run. They're only a point off of Europe, which I think is a great achievement, uh, given how far fall, far down they've fallen this season. Uh, and it, you know, it looks like they've got every every chance to to slip into that spot uh, should they manage to get results in their next two matches. I think they got Monaco at the weekend. Easier said than done. Monaco have to go to France. Uh, I think Ren are going to be hungry uh, to to want to. To want to get get back into Europe and and to keep building on uh, on the success that they had previously had under under Stefan, that it seemed uh, to slip away, and what he's gotten out of these players uh, who've sort of been sidelined by Stefan, Flavian Tate in particular had a great performance in midfield uh, yesterday. Uh, you had the youngster Uwechukwu, who uh, I believe was making his first league start uh, with both Kemavinga and uh, and Zanzi suspended. Uh, doing decently well as well. Uh, Martin Terrier has been a, a really uh, sharp sharp player under Genesio. Uh, didn't score last night, but has been among the goals as well. Jeremy Doku, again, a little bit lacky in end product, but seems a lot brighter, a lot more lively. Uh, was really all over the pitch last night for Ren. So uh, Genesio, you know, is, I think, has, has improved a lot of players across this Ren team. And the results he's been getting, including last night, uh, are more than deserved. Uh, he would say, "Okay, Red are going to host <clears throat> PSG, but they're going to be they're going to be missing Kamavinga and Nzonzi. Uh You know what? What would you have s- said the result would be? You know, probably not this. Uh, and and I, I think that it showed. And you know, perhaps as you, as you rightly mentioned, it was it was down to Navas really that Ren didn't didn't take take all three points. So you know, huge credit goes to Genesio for the way he's got." This team leveled up, as it were, individually and uh, and, and playing well. Uh, and also, you know, he's had to adapt as well tactically, I think, uh, given some of the absences that he's battled. So, you know, I think this really augurs well. And even if Ryan do fall short of Europe, um, I think that, that Genesio, now that he's got a body of work, I think eight matches, ten matches at this point, he's been in charge. Um, he does look like he's the right appointment. I, I think as, as someone who is, you know, not his biggest fan during his time at Leon. It's it's a really remarkable um, result, and I I do think you know also you know we have to remember that given the resources that Ren have these uh, be their their connections with with Puma, uh, there's going to be probably money to spend this summer. I, I think that if if the club's ownership thinks think that there's a way to continue to improve this team, maybe maybe also augmented by the sales by the potential sale of Kamavenga, I know his departure would be a disappointment, but uh, I think there's scope for improvement on this team as well, uh, and I think that that's that's really impressive. So you know, I think Ren are even if they fall a little bit short this season, I think are slowly but surely positioning themselves as a, as a team to watch next season. Which, again, given how exciting the title race has been this season, uh, you know, to have Ren sort of step up a level, not saying be title contenders, but um, it'd be a real linchpin in the race for Europe next season. Uh, I think is is only a good thing. You know, more strong teams in Liga. Will continue to increase its visibility. Can continue to increase the uh, the buzzworthiness of it, as it were. Yeah, I I completely agree. I, and I I think uh, many of us thought that that Ren would push on this season under Julian Stefan, given kind of where they finished up last season, albeit due to the premature uh, truncation of the season due to the pandemic. Um, but obviously, you know, they fell well short of that, uh, despite. You know, spending fairly significantly for Ren, at least, if not compared to the wealth, of course, that they have behind them in the summer. Um, but 
yeah, Genesio's Genesio's appointment, you have to say, has 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 looked like a, a, a tremendous decision. I mean, five wins, two draws, one defeat since that first game against Marseille. And I think I'm not sure if you were on that particular uh, that particular episode, Eric, but um a few of us were um when the when the Genesio's name came up as a potential replacement for Stefan, I think there was some trepidation from us um as uh, on the show because we were um you know hoping for something maybe a bit more ambitious or a bit more exciting but perhaps that was that was wrong you know although Genesio was um criticized at points during his tenure at Lyon he is of course um did of course do some impressive things while there um in particular in certain matches um and yeah things like getting getting the best out of Flavian Tate um who of course joined from Angers in the summer of 2019 but seemed to never really get much of a much of a go under Julien Stéphane, um, I guess being deployed in this central midfield role like he was against Paris Saint-Germain and pressing so much, you know, signs like this are are clear indicators that he is uh, already making a big um, impact there. So looking at uh, Paris Saint-Germain then, one thing that's really sh- struck me about this side under Maurizio Pochettino is their ill-discipline, particularly in the last couple of weeks you know you've had red cards in both the legs of their semi-final Champions League semi-final against Manchester City and another one here with Kimpembe being sent off in the 87th minute um there's a there's a stat that that Opta put out that said that Paris have received seven red cards after the 80th minute in Ligue 1 and Europe this season which is more than any other team from the top five European leagues um we also had our friend our good friend Philippe Bargiel on Twitter respond to a tweet saying sum up your club season in three words and he said petulant red cards um does this team have a have a discipline issue under Maurizio Pochettino um they seem to keep losing their heads in these in these kind of tense circumstances and surely this is something that he needs to be looking to to iron out along with any kind of tactical inefficiency inefficiencies going into next season yeah I don't know I I I think that 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 is frustrating but I think what PSG are dealing with now is uh the lack of this squad being built as a squad you know if you have so much money invested in Neymar invested in Mbappe in terms of the transfer fees brought into them in terms of their wages um the fact that you would be starting this match with pieces off the scrap heap uh in terms of Colin Dogba who again still could come good he's a young player and Leif Mkurzawa I you know, I think that says it. PSG this season uh, have been, by and large, undone by the fact that they they didn't build this team to have depth and to to have you know to have a requisite level of quality throughout the team. I think the arrival of Navas is was good, was a statement of intent given his experience, um, and he's certainly borne that out. Marquinhos continues to be solid. Uh, Gay minus minus the red card in the Champions League has generally been a solid solid player this season. Di Maria is his canny self. Can's been useful, um, but I think that a lot of the way that this team has been constructed is really faulty and really and really not not of the quality that the, of the club's stated ambition, which is to compete for the Champions League. I mean, look, you know, Kurzawa. I think in an ideal world is maybe the third best left back on this team. I, I like Backer better than him. I like Diallo better than him. So in a match that you have to win to to keep pace with Lille, why why is he getting the start here? Um, 
you know, Florenzi wasn't good enough for Roma. Why is he getting the start? Danilo mm. Pereira, the same thing. I just, you know, this team's the, the fault in this team's constructions have been laid bare. I, I think discipline certainly has has played a role here. Um, I mean, you know, Kempembe is another story. I think that the the inconsistency of his performances. I mean, you know, we think back to that that tackle he made against Leo back in what was that February to um, to take the ball away at the last second. Um, but and you know, his passing range. You know, he he can be a really incredible performer at times, but then he can do something as utterly stupid as that tackle last night. Three minutes from the end, it wasn't a dangerous situation. Um, and now he's out probably for the rest of the season. I, I, I would see a multi-match ban come in for that. So not only not only does, does Kempembe, uh, you know, ruin uh, PSG's chances of winning this match, but he handicaps his side uh, in the Coupe de France, right, where they're going to play Montpellier, who are a dangerous side, let's let's face it. I mean, in, in Delors, we'll get to them. In Delors and Laborde, they've got early potent strike partnership. Montpellier have every chance of winning that match. Um, but you've also, you know, even as PSG have, you know, chances to win. I mean, they're hosting Rennes this weekend. That's an easy win. Um, and then and then they're away to Brest. There, there are two matches, uh, you know, that should have been six, you know, they should expect six points in those next two matches. But the fact of the matter is, um, when the chips were down, they, they lost their heads. And it, it, that, that issue of composure is, is again, really worrying. Um, so, so yeah, I think it's, it, it's, it's a, it's a moment of foolishness from Kipembe that I, I don't think, I mean, look, PSG have had issues with discipline, you know, going back to Laurent Blanc, I think, I, you know, I think, we think of Thiago Silva, Thiago Mota, Adrian Rabio, Marco Verratti, certainly. Plenty of mm. players on this team are, are no strangers to a booking, uh, especially through through central midfield and and defense. And um, yeah, 77 bookings uh, in 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 uh, in the league this year, more than more than two a match. So, I, you know, I think that that tells the story there. I I, I don't know. I, discipline is an issue has been an issue for every manager. Let's take a charge of this team. And I, I don't seem, seem to think that anything's changed uh, to date. Sure, maybe then it is, as you say, a, a personnel issue. Um, and in these, in these tense moments, like towards the end of the game against Manchester City in Paris, like the game in Manchester as well, where things started to not go their way, you think maybe if they have superior quality in other areas, areas of the pitch, particularly at fullback or in central midfield, then perhaps they don't run into these into these situations where they're forced to kind of be living on the edge, I guess. So, so yeah, that certainly um, will come into it there. The good news for PSG long-term, obviously, is that Neymar has extended his contract until 2025, which feels like it's been on the cards for a while now, even if at the start of the 2019-2020 season, that seemed the furthest possible scenario from reality. Just how important is that for Paris Saint-Germain and also for Ligue 1, Eric, in your opinion? Um, I, I, yeah, I mean, it's important for Paris Saint-Germain, uh, obviously, but I, I think that, I, I think Neymar's star quality will continue to keep PSG relevant on a global stage, which is what the club want. But again, you know, I, I don't think, okay, you know, on his day, he's, he's one of the top five players in the world. I think that, that we would be hard pressed to disagree with that. Um, but the fact that they, they're now going to, but he has a history of injuries. Um, 
you know, again, some of that's because, you know, rather than the butcher of Bilbao, we've got the butcher of, of Brest or, or what, what have you. Uh, he, ha he is subject to a higher level of physical, uh, uh, not abuse, but he, there's, there's certainly some tough tackling in, in that he's experienced in Liga that I think has been uh, different, difficult for him in, in terms of coping with that uh, in the game. Uh, but again, you, you know, I, I think uh, I'm not saying they should let him go, but I kind of wonder, you know, in terms of giving an extension to Di Maria, giving an extension to him, um, you know, might a more holistic look be taken at uh, at the team's building policy again and transfer strategy? You know, okay, the, the salary for Neymar for another three seasons or four seasons beyond this one. Sorry. You know, could that be invested in a decent right back or, or a left back who can, you know, who could be, uh, you know, a more complete presence. Diallo is decent defensively, you know, backers decent going forward. Uh, you know, Bernat is decent when he's fit, but again, this team is direly lacking depth in, 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 in the fullback positions. Um, and it's lacking. It's lacking quality uh, in in the midfield outside of outside of Marco Verratti. Um, and I th I think that oh, it, it's a it's a fill up for PSG to, to to keep him and to to keep that global relevance. Yes, um, for the fans he brings, and you know for all the the extracurriculars he brings. But at the same time, I think the fact that he signed an extension, well, Mbappe's future is still in doubt gives me pause and you know maybe it's a matter of Neymar has fewer options in terms of his career in terms of where he's at in his career and that that this contract finishes he'll be 33 he's born in 92 mm -hmm. yeah 33 um but again at the root of that is how do PSG make this sustainable project yes they want to keep Mbappe, yes, they want to keep Neymar, the club as a signpost for the Qatari state. Okay, right? If, if, if we're looking at that with the World Cup coming up, PSG, yes, they want to keep Neymar. Yes, they want to keep Mbappe to say, you know, look at the relationship that these stars have fostered with, you know, not an arm with the Qatari government writ large, but for a team that has, obviously through the QSI uh, investment group, very strong ties to that country. So the public perception there is, is as important. And I, but I still wonder, in sporting terms, um, yeah, PSG's team-building acumen seems to be largely lacking. And, it's, again, it's great that Neymar stays. I, I, I love his charisma. I love what he – I mean, what he brings on the pitch, right, when he is fit. Mm -hmm. I think, by and large, uh, the, the, the stat that the league released the other day, he's, he's been involved in a goal every 68 minutes since he, since he came to PSG in 2017. To, now again, some of he'd been hurt for large chunks of a couple of those seasons, and last season was was truncated, obviously. But to maintain that level of attacking success and being involved in goals uh, when you're facing defenses that are geared specifically to stop you is really impressive. He is a, a really excellent player. But again, I, I think the fact that this comes out uh, with with Mbappe's future still in doubt leaves me big questions as to what this team looks like going forward. Because if you're, if you have the option of, of keeping Neymar, 
and potentially losing Mbappe, I think you're going to end up with egg in your face because you're no longer going to be in that elite level of teams. I don't think. I think this team without Mbappe is would would cease to be elite. They'd be in a second tier along with, say, a Juventus, Atletico Madrid, uh, a Barcelona, but that that highest tier of teams, right? The the the, the Manchester Cities, um, the Chelsea. And yes, the Bayern Munich, even though PSG beat them, I think that a fully fit Bayern Munich versus a fully fit PSG is no contest. I don't know if you disagree with that, but, you know, bring, bring in Sula, bring in Lewandowski. I think that tie looks quite different. And it, it was a narrow PSG win as it was. Sure, so, yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah, no, I... I think it's a necessary thing for, for the team to do. Um but again, it is just a very strong reminder of what the club's project is. And it's not, to me, a sporting project. It's a publicity project. Yeah, it does, it does feel, you know, Neymar is essentially, along with Mbappe, the jewel in the crown of this project in terms of a, um, the, its symbolic significance ahead of the Qatar World Cup, right? I mean, that's a, that's a, significant, a significant part of this project. Um, there's no denying that. And, and I completely agree. I think we've seen in the last two games, uh, as if we needed to see it again, that, that Mbappe is the most important player in this team, in my opinion. And um, when he's been missing, it's, it's, been, it's proved significantly costly for them. Um, but that being said, you know, Neymar, uh, perhaps, in, well, certainly in this country, um, being the UK, I feel uh, Neymar is given a hard rap by people who don't actively follow Ligue 1 or perhaps watch PSG as regularly. But of course, you know, when, when fit, he, he's been undeniably excellent um, for Paris Saint-Germain and, re- and has brought that star quality. Um, and it is excellent for them that they can they can count on that for longer. But it remains to be seen what the potential ramifications are financially, especially post-pandemic, in terms of whether this team will be able to strengthen in other areas, which from a sporting perspective is, is of course, what they need to be doing. But I don't know, I find it hard to, to picture Mbappe leaving now this summer, uh, particularly given... Um, the financial state that we know clubs like Real Madrid and Barcelona are in. So, so I'm, I'm sure it's only a, a, only a matter of time. But, but yeah, um, certainly an interesting, um, I guess, an interesting um, dichotomy to follow, thinking about the importance of each of those two players to this project in, an impo- in a sporting sense, I should say. Anyway, let's uh, move on to the uh, league leaders, Lille. Uh, they travelled to fierce rivals uh, Europe chasing Lance for the Derby du Nord on Friday uh, for what on paper would be by far their most challenging remaining fixture and perhaps the last truly imposing obstacle between them and the Ligue 1 title. Lance, meanwhile, had narrowly lost to PSG last time out but remained hot on the heels of Marseille in the race for the final European place. Le Dog started the match on the front foot and calmed any potential nerves through winning an early penalty thanks to a foul on Jonathan Bomba in the box. The spot kick was duly converted by that man, Burak Yilmaz, continuing his inspired run of form. Lille could hardly believe their luck when, on 35 minutes, their task became yet more straightforward thanks to a second yellow card being shown to Lance defender Clément Michelin, leaving Lance in disbelief. Sure enough, with the man's advantage, Yilmaz yet again showed his worth through a powerful strike from distance, doubling Lille's lead before half-time with his 15th goal of the season. In the second half, a series of defensive mistakes from Lance led to Lille's third goal, 
scored by a Canadian striker, Jonathan David, from close range. Lons had a couple of half-decent chances in the second half, but the points had already been secured, and Lille went clear at the top of the championship, going into the final two games. Eric, the Derby du Nord, it was intense. You had Lille's bitter rivals trying to get one over on them. You know, imagine imagine the scenes in, in, in Lens if they were able to derail their rivals' title campaign. Um, obviously what Lens and Paris Saint-Germain would have been hoping for, but it, it didn't play out that way, did it? They were they Lille was certainly aided by in-match circumstances, i.e. The, the refereeing decisions, but this was a fairly comfortable win for Le Dog. Yeah, it was. I mean, Lawrence has absences too. I mean, Clement Michelin is not a left-sided wingback. Uh, I think we could be be certain of that. Uh, Gal Kakuta coming back from COVID was was very much below par. He's a player who's been very potent for Lawrence's attack throughout the season, as we can see from his goal and assist numbers. Uh, Seiko Fofana, we saw how brilliant he was against PSG. Um, last weekend was really, again, a muted presence. I, I just think that uh, Lance you know, perhaps between their absences and perhaps maybe psyching themselves out, as it were, just really weren't up to this game mentally. Like, they just weren't able to... I mean, yes, referee decisions uh, were certainly a challenging aspect of this, but um, they seemed to lack the, lack a bit of mental strength vis-a-vis uh, -vis responding to those, responding to that adversity uh, in a way that, that, that would have allowed them to get back into the game. Uh, let's face it, it was hardly... Uh, foreground conclusion, the result that is, uh, even even after that penalty, but uh, the red card then, you know, I think really sort of pushed the envelope and it was, it was a, yeah, a challenging set of circumstances that I don't think Lawrence responded to terribly well. Um, yeah. Yeah, it did seem like they were, um, they were psyched out of the game um, by that. You had the, the, several of the Lawrence players were clearly very unhappy with the officiating. Somebody at one point shouted, Referee, blow the whistle, at least do that right. Just put a white shirt on already. So clearly implying that the referee was uh, was uh, <laughs> playing in Lille colours, if you if you like. Um, but yeah, I mean, Lille, Lille brilliant once again. And um, I don't know about you, but of, of course, the Ulmaz will take the headlines with, with those two goals, particularly the, the, the second goal from, from range, which, which was terrific. But I was yet again impressed um, by Boubacari Sumare, who... I think has been one of the most improved players over the last few months. Um, mm. he, got, he got an assist. He made five interceptions, six ball recoveries. He, he just seemed to dominate the midfield. And I think we've already praised him in, in, in recent episodes. But, but do you get the impression that he's finally kind of reaching a level of consistency that he wasn't before and, and perhaps starting to justify that hype that's been placed on him internationally? Yeah, I mean, he's been given the chance, right? I, I think that, you know if we think back to a couple months ago, he wasn't first choice. Uh, you know, you had, if Lou were playing a 4-4-2, it was Ronaldo Sanchez, who most often partnered Benjamin Andre, who is absent for this game, and who I, and who I saw as being potentially a huge miss, right? Uh, Benjamin Andre has been so often a linchpin in midfield for, for Leo throughout the season. He's, you know, continuing the excellent form he showed at Ren. And I think, I think it, you know, it could have potentially presented a real challenge in a, in a derby match. But, uh, again, yeah, Sumari really rose to the occasion and, and looked incredibly sharp. Uh, and the improvement that he's shown, yeah, justifying the hype is is a, is a more than fair way to say it. Um, so, you know, well done to Sumari. Well done for Galtier for, again, another player. He's continued to improve. Um, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, 
we look at Jonathan David's goal record now, uh, most goals ever scored by a Canadian in a top five European league. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a bit of a, you know, an egg-headed stat, but again, is a massive testament to uh, the faith that, faith and improvement that Galtier has placed in these young players to get them to 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 improve and to really shine uh, when the chips are down. Uh, Sven Botman's another younger player who I think, uh, you know, Galtier has really gotten a lot out of, you know, in addition to Samari, obviously. Um, so, yeah, well done to, to, to Samari to step up and to be that, that all-action midfielder that the team needed. Pardon me, in Andre's absence. Uh, Sheka was excellent alongside him as well. But I, I do think you're right to, to, to point him out as a sort of a, what would you say, a, a B-real star, uh, as it were. Uh, you know, Yilmaz, certainly with that, particularly that goal from open play, was absolutely amazing. Uh, but, again, uh, you know, for, for Lille to have that chance, you, they, had to, they had to have strong play from, from their midfield uh, to, for that base upon which they, to build and to give David and Yilmaz that freedom to operate. Um, so, yeah, just another great constant performance from Les Dog. Um, and, again, the absence of Andre is no small thing. Uh, and to win a, a key match in his absence, uh, you know, really showed their character and really showed uh, Galtier's ability. Again, yes, rubber the green with some of the decisions and absences and lack of fitness on Blanc's side. But, yeah, uh, you know, especially in a, in a particularly high-pressure situation in these last few weeks of the season, uh, Leo continued to respond with aplomb, and it's it's really incredible to see. This team has an air of destiny about them, as, as, as it were. They certainly do. I mean, in light of that, um, finishing on that point, um, obviously they're now three points clear of Paris Saint-Germain with two games to go. They have a, a, a lesser goal difference. Their, their last two games are against, uh, I believe, Saint-Étienne and, and, and Angers. Eric, Lille are firmly in the driving seat now. I have to ask the, the generic will-they-won't-they they question. Will they do it? Are they going to be crowned Ligue 1? champions in two match days time or within these last two match days I should say yeah I, I think they will be um, I, I think PSG still have the Coupe de France to play uh, I, I think that so that's going to be a distraction even if their focus is the league um, I think that the the, the the degree to which they will surely focus on that uh, is not to be discounted um, and I think with Angers and Sente both mathematically safe, having won this weekend, those results went as well as they could have for Lille. Uh, those two teams are going to have little to nothing to play for. Um, you know, maybe Sante want to nip ahead of Metz and get a top half finish. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know that there's there's a whole lot in the way of stakes uh, for for either of those sides. So yeah, I think Ledoux will certainly have. Uh, uh, what they need uh, to, to get things done over the next couple of matches. And, and yeah, to, 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 to win a, win a title, um, you know, uh, 10 years on from their last one and nine years on from Montpellier's last one, again, offering a reminder that, you know, this league is hardly as hit as, uh, uh, as one dimensional as people like make it out to be. Um, you know, I, I think for people who haven't watched Ligue 1, uh, you know, the, the Jaiba Farmers League could, you know, looks less and less applicable. I mean, Lille are doing this. Yes, they're solid defensively. 22 goals conceded in 36 matches. Best defense in Europe's top five leagues. Like Mignon has the most shutouts of any keeper. Um, and actually is two away from setting uh, 
or equaling the Liga record in that regard. Um, uh, yeah, quiz question for you. Do you know who has the record? Oof. Who has the record? 22 clean sheets in a season. Yeah. Who I'm has the record? I'm going to go Gregory Coupe. Not even in the top five. It's Jean-Luc Ettore, the Monaco keeper. Legendary. Ah, okay, interesting. Yeah, and there's five keepers who've had 21, including Vincent Yama and Salvatore Sirigu relatively recently. But, yes, yeah, so you've got to go a little old school for the, the right answer there. Damn, okay, not, not, not quite old school, old school enough from me there. I, and Yama would have been my, my second choice. Huh? But, but that's a great stat. I didn't, I didn't realize he was so close to the record. But, but yeah, um, I, I agree. I think I, it's going to take something pretty astronomical for Lille to fall away now. So, you know, more, more in this space in the, in the next couple of weeks. Um, before moving on to, to, the, to the final Liga match, which we will be discussing from the weekend, um, just a quick one on Lance. Obviously, they lose here, and you know, this is the kind of match where three games before the end of the season, I just wonder if if we did have fans in stadiums in France, whether the Lance faithful would have would have made this far more difficult for 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 Lille in terms of piling the pressure on. But um, but I guess we'll never know now. But but Lance still obviously very much in the fight for for that fifth place, especially given that Marseille also lost um, surprisingly to Saint Etienne at the weekend. Um, they're both tied on 56 points. Ren on on 55. Uh, if I can just get a, a kind of quick, I guess, prediction from you, Eric. Who do you feel of those sides um, is the most likely ahead of these two final games to, to to finish in that fifth spot? Oh, let's take a look at the fixtures. Lons are away to Bordeaux next week. I'd have to say that's three points, given Bordeaux's <laughs> rather poor form. Uh, Marseille host Angers. I, it's hard. That's one's kind of hard to predict. Uh, Renner away to Monaco. Um, I, this comes down to Monaco. Monaco also have a Coupe de France semifinal to play, now, admittedly against uh, amateur opposition. But uh, Monaco play uh, Lens on the final match day and Rennes next week. So I, I think it depends whether or not Monaco can uh, do something about securing their own Champions League spot. Um, it's I, it's really tough to call at this point. I I might have to give. And Ren will host Neem on the final day. Neem, a Neem side who could be playing for their own safety. Um, so I think that I think that given that, um, I I might have to give the edge to Marseille. Um, I, you know, they're again they're hosting Angers. They're away to Metz. Uh, two sides who don't have much to play for. Um, whereas Lens and Ren have certainly have tougher opposition in terms of what's down. We've seen again. Um, there's there is certainly plenty of unpredictability this season. But I think the case can also be made that, um, you know, Neem are a dangerous side, for example. And we certainly know, uh, you know, Monaco have, have proved pretty darn irresistible, even if it hasn't always been done in style, uh, particularly in the calendar year. So, yeah, I, I think Marseille should, should have enough about them. Um, just, and it's a shame, too, because I think, I think Lens and Rennes have been a good story. I, so I think sixth place will go into the Europa Conference League, provided that the Coupe de France winner is one of PSG or Monaco. Um, so sixth place still could be have something on offer. Um, I'm really not looking for. I'm really not relishing covering another competition next season, to be honest. <laughs> but uh, I, I don't know when those matches are going to be played. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's 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 a good it's a good thing to it's it's been an, it's remains an enthralling race. I think. Um, it's a shame for Lens that they're not farther ahead because I think that they've been 
the more complete and the more consistent among those three teams this season. Um, it's just that the way their fixture list has fallen, they've, they've really been under the cosh to have to play Leo um, and to have to play PSG in consecutive weeks and still, and <clears throat> sorry, still have to host uh, Monaco on the final day is, is a really tough ask. Um, and I think that circumstances that surround that make this uh, rather unfortunate for them to, to see them potentially slip to seventh and not get any European football at all, given the level of performances they've turned in across the season is, is really a shame. Um, I think is, you know, we can't control the fixture list, uh, but it, it's, it's, a, it's a shame because I think what Frank Ice and those players have done this season is is really remarkable. I, I know long spent by Liga standards, bringing in Alexa Fofana and, and Ganago, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a difficult, it's a difficult, it would be difficult to see them um, slip to seven. So my hopes are that they can, they can pinch six and that one of Monaco or PSG do win the Coupe de France. But um yeah, Mar- I'd say Marseille are my narrow favorites uh, for the time being. Uh, they are in fifth now, and they do have a slightly better goal difference than Lomas as well. Um, so were the team two teams to finish level on points, that would be uh, in Marseille's favor as well. Sure, yeah, I, I, I have to agree with you. I, I think it will end up being Marseille. So we may have a very jubilant uh, Muhammad Ali, um, our resident Marseille expert, returning to the show soon and... Um, yeah, his his mood may be uh, <laughs> may be enviable for for some, um, but I completely agree. I mean, as a neutral, I would I would absolutely love it if Lance were able to secure to secure fifth place. But as you say, Eric, sixth might be sixth may well be enough if it is indeed a Paris Saint Germain Mon- uh, Monaco final in the Coupe de France. Anyway, let's move on to one of the teams who will be playing in the Coupe de France semi-finals, um, which we will be getting onto, and that is Montpellier. Um, they are, they face Strasbourg at the weekend. Um, defeats for Marseille and Lens meant that um, meant that they played in had a faint, faint, faint hope of uh, reigniting their hunt to finish in the European places as they travelled to Strasbourg on Sunday to face a side still not safe from relegation. Um, the hosts enjoyed an early opportunity through Gilbert right back, but it was. Montpellier, who took the lead on 36 minutes through Gaetan Laborde's powerful header. In the second half, the game came to life with Andy Delors lobbing Matt Sells just a few seconds into the half to double Montpellier's lead. Things then went from bad to worse for Strasbourg just a matter of minutes later as Gaetan Laborde came up with one of the finishes of the season, quite frankly, burying an overhead kick to claim his second goal of the match. The magic duo doing it again. That strike, however, seemed to unleash Strasbourg, who came to life in the second half um, as things progressed. Uh, Ludovic Ajok giving the host some hope with just over 20 minutes to play. A fantastic late strike from Kevin Zoe proved nothing more than a consolation, however, as some solid goalkeeping from Dimitri Berto meant that the game ended 3-2 to Montpellier. Um, Eric, th- th- three shots on target, three goals for Montpellier in this one. Uh, d- did you get a sense that, that Strasbourg were in any way unlucky? Um, or was this just a case of superior quality shining through? I think, you know, the way that Montpellier played this game, and I, okay, I, I'll be honest. I like, I like Liga. I generally don't watch matches in the multiplex. Um, <laughs> just, it, 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 you know, unless I have to. Um, but I, I said, oh, you know, Montpellier, you know, Strasbourg, um, let's watch this match. Uh, the reason, the reason, part of the reason I was watching was to see if, uh, Laborde uh, or Delore could score. 
I think they're both on 15 goals now, uh, which is the most goals for a Montpellier striker since one Olivier Giroud in a season. Mm. Um, sorry, Laborde's on 15, Delors on 14. Um, but yeah, Gaetan Laborde's 15 goals, uh, most for a Montpellier striker since uh, Olivier Giroud. Um, you know, again, Michel Zizakarian is is supposed to be on his way out coming into the season. Um, but it's it's a reminder that this team really plays some fantastic football. They have some really talented attacking players. And whatever uh, uh, whatever the team decide to do in terms of moving on, the hope is that they can play with exciting attacking uh, front foot style that gets continues to get the best out of these two players. Um, and also, you know, continues to build with some of the younger players they have. I think Junior Sambia uh, playing midfield, not at right back yesterday uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a role that he had played uh, re- more regularly prior to this season. Uh, there's some exciting young players too. Joy Chotar, Steffi Mavadidi's been decent this season. Um, the team do have some issues in terms of how to rest- how, they're, how, how to go about restructuring their defense moving forward. But um, it's a disappointment that they've slipped out of the European places. Um, but again, I, I think that should they be able to keep this this team together um, heading into next season, I, I think that they have with the right coach, maybe Thierry Loray himself. Uh, he's been rumored to be on the way out at Strasbourg. Uh, you know, could could get them there and keep them there uh, in terms of that in terms of those top six places. Um, but there's still a coup de France to, to get. I mean, if, if Zakarian can go out by putting Montpellier in Europe. Uh, not through the through the back door, as it were, by by getting it, by winning the, the Coupe de France, that'd be a massive achievement as well. Uh, I mean, beating PSG will be no easy task, but I think that they've shown that they can go toe to toe with anybody this season. And who knows? Uh, I'll be watching those both those semifinals with bated breath uh, during the week. I'm I'm excited to see what'll happen. Um, but yeah, a, a, a fantastic, uh, fun display of football. Um, both teams, I think, were playing at their attacking best, and it was. Yeah, it was thoroughly enjoyable to watch. You know, perhaps a little sloppy, a little loose. Both teams are somewhat on the beach, but you know, I, I'm not complaining. For the neutral, it was a thoroughly enjoyable match of football, and I'm I'm glad I did uh, uh, I did watch that one. Yeah, it, it it looked tremendous, tremendous fun. This one. Um, I, I, while we're on Montpellier in this one, I have a an in, a stat which I, I guess somewhat surprised me. I don't know what you'd make of this one, but. Apparently Montpellier, well Montpellier have 18 headed goals this season, which is the most of any team in Europe's top five leagues. Um, do you kind of do you think that's char- a characteristic of the way that this side plays under Michel Zakarian, or is this just a case of having 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 some some big physical players in the side? Um, I think yeah, I think it's just a result of Delors and Labor. They're both excellent aerially, mm. um, and you know that's a natural that's a natural thing. I mean. Gaetan Labor, you know, I I understand, you know, why, um, who was the Bordeaux manager who was upset he was sold? Uh, Gus Poyet. Gustavo yes. Poyet. Labor had been excellent. He had scored, he had scored 10 goals um, in, uh, in the season before. Uh, he, he had left it across all competitions. He was really an excellent player. Um, and I think that, I think that to see, to see him play in that way was, you know, was you can understand why he was upset, and I think the the more that he's been able to foster uh, that relationship with with Delore, and now that you've got Savanier fit and on board, um, you, you're seeing a much more complete attacking team. Uh, you've got a, a, a player who's an excellent quarterback, regista, if you will, in Savanier, um, and and yeah, again, the more that the more that those <clears throat> those players have continued to to 
build and foster their relationship with each other, um, it's it's a natural, uh, it's, yeah, it's a natural result. Um, they they have a strong uh, aerial presence. I, I believe Delore is has the highest or second highest rate of aerial success in the league. Um, I want to say maybe Cisse, the Sante defender, has a slightly higher rate. Um, but again, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's credit to, to these these guys uh, attacking acumen and, and ability to not only play well with the ball, uh, but, uh, but but to but to work for each other. Yes, certainly. Um, uh, certainly uh, is. Uh, I mean, that duo has just continued to to work so well together. Um, and I think we've talked about it before, but I'm certainly hoping that they um, stay at the club. Sure, but certainly stay stay together, whatever team they end up playing in, because um, they're so tremendous. And and yeah, as you as you say, as you rightly say, I think they're 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 a big part of of that stat that I mentioned there in terms of headed goals uh, and success in the air. Um, moving back onto to to Strasbourg, then you you mentioned there, Eric, that that okay, this was a kind of a, a match between two sides that maybe are on the beach, but of course Strasbourg still not necessarily safe. Um, they're on 38 points. Then you have um, Bordeaux on, on 39, Brest on 40. And, and below them, you've got Nîmes on 35 points in 19th and, and Nantes on, on 37 and Lorient on 38 as well, just with a, with a slightly lower goal difference. So it really is, is um, these exciting um, different areas of competition, if you like, within the league. Um, and the relegation battle in particular is, is, is arguably now looking the most exciting area you could say given given the number of teams involved in what's going on down there um I, I not to put you on the spot again but but as now is probably realistically the last time we can get um predictions in um well it is the last time with a couple of games to spare who do you feel are in the most danger of of going down um and and are Strasbourg in that equation or do you see do you see them staying up, particularly in light of of that solid second half showing from them against against Montpellier? Oh yeah, I mean Strasbourg are absolutely absolutely still in the equation. I uh, for me, I think Nîmes have shown some good form, but I just I, I just think that they're running out of road, as it were. Um, and I think that um, if we if we look at oh gosh, I mean. Bordeaux's form has been awful, but then, you know, sometimes they can pull a surprise like BD Ren last weekend. Um, uh, I I think Neen get the automatic spot. Uh, and I think Bordeaux slip into the playoffs and uh, win. Win the playoff. Mm. That's exactly what I had. <laughs> That's exactly what, what, what I have. I mean, Neem have got also got the hardest fixtures of any of those teams, I believe. They've got Leon and then and then Ren, so yeah, they're, they're, they're as good as gone, I think, um, despite their improvements. And, and you look at Nantes, they're on the up. Um, Lorient have had some good results of late, so, um, um, and Bordeaux just, just, just seem, despite that win over Ren, which was, I think, it's fair to say, aided by that red card to, to Nzonzi after about eight minutes, um, look the worst or the, or the most in free fall at the moment other than that result. So, so yeah, that would be, a, they'd be my pick to make the playoff spot as well um anyway as we kind of mentioned the montpellier are of course in the coupe de france semi-finals uh, this week um on wednesday they welcome psg to Le, uh, to la Mosson, 
while Monaco travelled to fourth division side GFA Rumilly Valier. Uh, Rumilly, who beat Ligue 2 promotion hopefuls to lose 2-0 in the last round, which was their biggest scalp of the tournament so far. Um, obviously, Montpellier PSG, Eric, is one we expect to be, the, the, is the tie we expect to be the more competitive. I don't think it's unfair to say. Um, do you think Pochettino is likely to rotate heavily here, given given that Paris Saint-Germain are, are technically still in the title race and given their fixture congestion of late? And and as a result, do you think um, do you feel that Montpellier have a have a very solid chance here? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm likely to rotate. Um, um, yeah, uh, yes, yes, yes. I think I think he will. Um, but again, that rotation is still going to have quality attacking players, whether it's Sarabia, Draxler, Ken. Um, there is, you know, a, certainly no shortage of, of quality in this PSG side. And that's that's the question that, um, you know, from Montpellier, given the absences of the likes of a player like Pedro Mendes, I mean, they'll get, they had some absences for suspension for this match. I want to say they were missing Savanier and... Uh, Somebody else in midfield. Um, I'm, I'm blanking on who. Um, but Jordan Ferry is just back from injury. So uh, perhaps there are some mid-game circumstances pardon me, in in this match. But I think Montpellier will play a first-choice 11. But when you've got you know a very creaky central defense of Hilton and Congre, uh, the ability of, of the ability for that team to turn themselves for those two to turn themselves around and be fully fit uh, certainly raises the question. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know. Uh, I, I I'd like Montpellier to win. I think uh, that'd be a nice a nice coda to the to the Michel de Zakarian era, as it were. Um, but I do think that um, I do think PSG will just have enough uh, experience uh, and, and their ability to rotate a little bit more extensively than Montpellier will make them a little bit more fresh. Yeah, that would that would certainly make sense. Um... Um, and on the on the other side of the draw, obviously we have, as I said, the the Rumi Valier Monaco game on on Thursday. It's an amazing story for for the fourth division side. Um, obviously, there is a precedent of this happening in the Coupe de France. We had uh, third division Les Herbiers actually play in the final, um, and in 2018, and they of course lost two 0 to PSG. We had my beloved Kevin Rouen uh, from the third tier. They lost one 0 to Lyon in 2012. Um, again in the final. The last time we had a fourth division side reach the final in the Coupe de France, in fact, Eric, quiz question for you: Could you? I won't. I won't be so mean as to as to pick the side, but can you can you guess what year was the last time we saw a, a side in the fourth division make the Coupe de France final? Leon Ducher were a, a third division side in 2012 when when they lost to Leon. Third division, yes. So fourth division was. We have to go a bit further back, I'm afraid. Uh, wow. Uh, no, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm really stumped in this one. I remember the, I remember the Leon final. I've been watching French football for about, you know, 10, 15 years. I don't, going back for them, that's a, a little bit too, too far for me, unfortunately. 
Yeah, well, maybe this is a bit mean. I mean, I was I was uh, four or five when when this one happened. Um, this was in two thousand. It was a uh, it was Calais RUFC who lost two one to Nantes in the final. I read a, there was a really interesting article. I had forgotten what year that happened, and I read a, there was a very interesting article about kind of what had happened to the the Calais players before and and after because obviously fourth division, you know, is is just an extra level of amateur in 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 France. So um, I can't remember where that was, but it's a it's a, a, an incredible story there. Uh, beating a Nantes side who I believe had, had only a couple of years prior to that one league on. Um, anyway, do do we give the fourth division side Rumi any hope here against Nico Kovac's side? You know, one of the best in league on, so consistent. Um, no, or, or are they just going to sweep past them? <laughs> no, I, I, sorry. It, even though Monaco have had some absences owing to COVID injuries, you had Jovetic injured, uh, Justin Martins and Alexander Golovin had dealt with COVID as well. Uh, I think even with those absences, um, Monaco have shown themselves time and again to be hungry, uh, even when they do rotate. And and the and that being the case, I, I expect whoever Kovac decides to line up, knowing the Champions League is the ultimate goal, to be hungry, to be ready, um, yeah, and, and to and to play with a bit between their teeth to get the result. Um, no, no two ways about it. Um, so I, I think for a fourth division side, uh, you know, you know, you're gonna be playing against the likes of Cesc Fabregas and Gibraltar City Bay, pair, pair of World Cup winners. Um, those are Monaco's reserves. It's it's just <laughs> it doesn't seem very likely to say the least. No, I I agree completely. Even uh, even a, a legless Cesc Fabregas these days, you know, you'd think that with his passing alone, he'll be able to run rings around around a fourth division side. But but of course that would be amazing for, from a neutral perspective. But I think. Um, I think if I had to pick a side to, to go on and win the whole thing, it would be Monaco or certainly, I guess, a realistic pick. I would like to win if, if, if Montpellier indeed are an unlikely um, option at this point, because, you know, Monaco have had such an incredible season and it's a shame for them to, to obviously drop out of the title race. We never expected them to be in so close to the end. So, yeah, it would be I think they've got too much here and um, far too much, in fact. And it would obviously be be great for uh, if we could have a. A balanced final, if you like, a, a, a more um, a more of a showpiece event, I suppose, than a kind of potential drubbing um, of a fourth division side at the hands of, of PSG. Anyway, two very quick points before we leave. Um, obviously, the the um, latest news, uh, big news, I guess, in terms of summer transfers is that Florian Tovan will be leaving Marseille. He'll be joining Tigres following the same path um, as his Marseille um former Marseille teammate, in fact, André Pierre Gignac, uh, in 2015. Um, I'm keen to, to save talking about that one for when we get Mohamed Ali, our, our, Marseille, our Marseille expert, back on the show, because I'm sure he'll have much to say on that one. Um, and we hope to have him back in the next couple of weeks. But I just want to uh, give a quick shout out to Trois, who were the first team to be promoted to Ligue 1. They beat USL Dunkirk uh, 2-0. Uh, at the weekend, uh, so uh, that means that coach Laurent Battelet has uh, direct has guided his side to Ligue 1 for the first time since they were relegated in 2018. If you want to know a little bit more about Trois, I spoke to former Chelsea and Crystal Palace Academy graduate Levi Lumeka, who joined them at the start of the season. So the talk is somewhat outdated, but he gives gives an interesting insight into into the club and their aims for the season ahead of this season just gone by and. And to what to, to what Lauren Batelez is like as a coach and, and what he made of the squad. So worth checking out. Anyway, that is all we've got time for today. Many thanks, Eric, for joining me. 
As always, please check us out on Twitter at GFFN for all the latest news from the world of French football. And please check out our website, getfootballnewsfrance.com for all the content on the French game you could ever need. I'm Jake Smales and I've been joined by Eric Devin. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the football and have a great week.